Well, good, good morning. If uh, you have your Bibles here this morning, feel free to open those up to uh, the book of Acts this morning. We're going to continue this journey. Some of you, I realize, have uh, your Bibles on your uh, smart devices. Feel free to open those up. And if you don't have anything with you this morning, that's okay. We do have it all on the screen for you this morning. My name's Steve. Uh, a big shout out and welcome to those who are participating online, whether that's live or uh, on demand. It's great to have you here with us. Let me pray as we open the Word of God, focusing on the book of Acts this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it's reached the ends of the earth, literally. And my prayer this morning, well, our prayer, Heavenly Father, is that you would uh, not just feed us, not just teach us, but more so that you would equip us to therefore go, uh, to, to act upon the knowledge that will be given to us this morning. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, we pray these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, uh, Acts, the book of Acts has 28 chapters. We're going to start from chapter 1 and we're going to move our way through to chapter 28, but uh, it's going to be kind of a skim kind of th- uh, walk through this morning. But before we do, before we do, I don't know if you've uh, ever noticed that uh, whenever a movie comes out, And it becomes this hit movie. It seems like the movie executives start seeing dollar signs. Have you noticed that? And they think that if we make a sequel to this massive hit, it's going to do really, really well. Now, sometimes that works. And sometimes it just doesn't. Come on, give me a few movies when it does work. Somebody said Star Wars. Very good. (laughs) Let's go with that. Very good. Thanks, John. Star Wars, it works, bring it up, yeah, let's bring it up, did we bring it up, here we go, Star Wars, it works with Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, the sequel, you know, it continues, the journey continues, another movie, yell it out, Rocky, Rocky, do we have a, oh look at this, how about that, I think we're up to Rocky 300 and whatever, aren't we, the sequel apparently works, let's, uh, another movie, Home Alone. Oh, wait on, wait on. Is that, is that a good one or a not so good one? Oh, thumb, we get the thumb, thumbs down for that. Some, some agree that it is, some, some agree that it's not. Uh, let's go to another one, another sequel that works. Did somebody say Toy Story? Very good, very good. I think Toy Story, very good. I heard it over here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> it works. The sequel works with Toy Story. One more, one more chance. Lord of the Rings, very good. Lord of the, it works with Lord of the Rings. You get the idea, we get the idea. Movies that it doesn't necessarily work with. I think you'd agree it didn't work with Greece. You know. Uh, Home Alone, somebody mentioned. Jaws, did it work with Jaws? Not really. Anyway, anyway. You get the idea. Some sequels work and some sequels just don't. Now, the book of Acts is a sequel to the book of Luke. They're both written by the same author, two volumes of a single work. The Gospel according to Luke is volume one. The book of Acts is the sequel of Dr. Luke's two-volume series of the origin of Christianity and also the development of the early church. Uh, Luke, let's talk about Luke, let's talk about a few characters that arise in the book of Acts. Uh, Luke was a Gentile doctor, 
who became a friend of an eventual traveler with the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's in the book of Acts where you start seeing where the author becomes the traveler. In fact, the first 16 chapters of the book of Acts, Luke uses the words, pronouns of him, he, they, and them. Until, until you get to chapter 16, verse 10, then there's a change. There's a change in his language where he starts to use the words, we, and us. And so... Luke then travels with Paul throughout the remainder of the book, the book, most probably, most probably to Rome. Now, the theme of the book of Acts is this. It's how the hope of the gospel made it from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. So to summarize it, from Jerusalem to Rome. Now, Luke was very selective very selective in his storytelling here. He will take us to certain places. Here's why. He wants to show you how the message of the Messiah, this Jewish story, did not stay in Israel, but made it to the very heart of the then known world, Rome. And that's why it then spread everywhere. He does not give us insight to Mark, John Mark, the writer of the gospel, Mark, who took it to Egypt, he doesn't go there. Tradition teaches us that he does. He doesn't talk about Thomas, who took it to India. Very good, India. But he keeps it very selective in what he teaches us through this book of Acts. And there's a reason for that. I'll get to just in a moment. But first... Let's go to the sequel. What's the sequel? Acts. Very good. Acts is the sequel. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. This is the sequel of the gospel according to Luke. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now notice before we go any further, before we go into volume one. Before we go any further, let's notice who he's writing to. Did you pick it up who Luke is writing to? He's writing to Theophilus. In fact, can you say that name with me? Theophilus, you might have needed your masks for that. Because you kind of sprayed that name out, don't you? <laughs> Theophilus. It's very important that we note who he's writing to. So, that's Acts. That's the sequel. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 1, to, to verse 4. This is volume 1. Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent, say this with me, Theophilus. This is the same author writing to the same person. Verse 4. 
so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Okay, talk a little about Luke. Let's talk about this character, Theophilus. Now, I want to be honest here that scholars have wrestled with who Theophilus is over many centuries. Well, let's talk about his Greek name. His Greek name means lover of God or one who loves God. Most probably, most probably, Theophilus was this. He was the wealthy master who owned Luke. But wasn't Luke a doctor? Absolutely he was. 2,000 years ago, doctors were very different to today's doctors. In fact, 2,000 years ago, they were in fact slaves who were owned by people. How times have changed. You now feel like your doctor owns you for the bills in which we fork out. In fact, let's be honest, we both feel like we're owned by insurance companies. But that's another story we won't go into now. Let's go back to Theophilus. Theophilus, the wealthy master who owned Luke, who would eventually become a follower of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? He was released. Um, uh, Theophilus would release Dr. Luke to become a friend, an eventual traveling companion of the apostle Paul. It was as if Theophilus was saying to Luke, and as I release you, I want you to write me a full account of the history of this movement. Let's get this right, right from word go. Luke is writing to one person. His boss. But the Holy Spirit used it to give an accurate account of the life of Jesus in the book of Luke and the account of the early church in the book of Acts. Very good, the sequel. Let's go back to Acts 1, verse 1. It says this, in my former book, this is Acts chapter 1. This is the sequel. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus, say this word with me, began. Now say this word with me, began. It's an important word. To do and to teach, verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, that's key, to the apostles he had chosen. Chosen, sorry, chosen. Notice the word began just for a moment, if we could, because this is a key word. This word began is key to the entire book of the book of Acts. Why? Jesus started something. Jesus began something. In fact, I'm going to say this, that the word began suggests that the work of Christ is not over. And so he starts the book reminding us what Jesus began in Luke, and then he goes across to the sequel because it's now continuing in the sequel in the book of Acts. But how does he do that? Hasn't Jesus ascended into heaven as most of the gospels teach us at the end of each gospel? That he comes, he dies upon a cross, then he ascends into heaven, and he's gone. And the answer is, and Jesus gives us this answer, that the Holy Spirit is promised. I'm leaving, Jesus says to his disciples, but I'm sending a helper uh, just as I have been for you. I've got to go for the helper to come. 
Now, this book is called uh, Acts, but it's the Acts of the Apostles, which I think is a good enough title. Um, but many of us, many of us would know it's better known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it says, Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And we start to see the book of Acts unfold and the Holy Spirit's presence and uh, dynamic input into the early church. And so what we've got here is the finished work of Jesus, yes, is on the cross, but the unfinished work of Jesus continues through the next or through the new generation and the next generation and the next generation. And you and I, followers of Jesus, become those through whom the Holy Spirit indwells and empowers. And so Jesus began it, Luke said, and I wrote that, about that in volume one. And in the sequel, in the book of Acts, I want you to know, he says, I want you to know, Theophilus, that Jesus is still working. His work of redemption, yes, is done upon the cross. But his work of proclamation through the power of the Holy Spirit is still going on. Are we following this morning? Yeah, you're with me? Good. Let's go. Let's keep reading Acts chapter 1. Let's go to verse 3 this time. The story continues. Check this out. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is key. But wait. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait. Well, what are we waiting for, Jesus? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. Verse 5. For John baptized with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. That word power, ten times in the book of Acts. Greek, dunamis, meaning dynamite. This is a supernatural power that the that the disciples are going to be filled upon and the early church, that the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the, the, ends of the earth. Let's go back. Can you just keep that up, please? Please just keep that up. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him this question. Have you got that there? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, their question is a question of when. Jesus' answer is a question or an issue of what? When are you coming? We all have this, this, this question, don't we? And the disciples, I love the humanness of the disciples here. 
Because they're asking Jesus, when are, you, when are you coming again? Come on, let's set a date here. You're coming, aren't you, to restore the kingdom? What's happening here? This is called an interruption. Where are the interrupters in the room of conversations? Come on, put your hand up. Some of you are inter- Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. If you weren't going to put your hand up, I'd name you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I would never. I would never do that. <laughs> But what's happening here, the disciples are interrupting that of Jesus' main issue and main subject. They are bringing up an issue that isn't related to what Jesus is talking about. Remember what Jesus says to them? What does he say? He says, go, but not yet. Go, but not yet. Wait. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the promised truth of the Holy Spirit. By the way, maybe you could liken it to a a bit like this. The military, the Australian Defence Force. Uh, We train a number of people, men and women, young and older, um, through our military defence force each and every year. I don't know what the intake would be and all the three areas of defence. But it's as if we would train those those people in defending our nation in their area of expertise and then saying, there you go, go and do it. We've got no uh, military power, you've got no tanks, you've got no arms, etc., etc. You are on your own. The issue is, issue is never when, it's always what. What ought you to be doing until he returns. What is the mission he has called you to? Now, this has been Luke's theme right from word go. And so, forget about the when, even though I'm going to talk about that in September, and think about the what. And the what is what? You shall receive power, dunamis, dynamite, the Holy Spirit, that supernatural empowerment. And you will be my witnesses. This is the what? In where? Yeah, very good. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when Jesus talks about his return, when Jesus talks about his kingdom, he didn't expect his disciples to sit on a hillside, strum their guitar, and sing Kumbaya and wait until he shows up. He didn't expect that from his disciples at all. In fact, in this verse, we have an outline for the whole book of Acts, just like the book of Revelation in chapter 1. You have a whole outline. Um, And what's the outline in, in Acts? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let's take it apart. Let's check this out. Chapter 1, verse 7 Uh, Sorry, chapter 1 to chapter 7, the gospel witness is in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 and 9, the gospel witness goes from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. And chapters 10 to 28, predominantly the story of Saul, um, as the gospel witness goes to Gentile countries and to the ends of the earth. That's the outline for where Luke takes us, Dr. Luke, and so if the gospel of Luke is volume one, 
And it's all about the origins of the gospel. What I mean by that is Jesus, the story of Jesus. The book of Acts, the sequel, is about the development of the church. So let's go there for a moment. Let's talk about the development of the church. The development of the church is in chapter 2. Very good. This is the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the one whom they've been awaiting this is the birth of the church. This is an exciting part of history. The church is being birthed. There's pretty, something pretty exciting about a birth, isn't there? <laughs> Depends who you are. But uh, let's talk about this because this is important. Let's talk about Peter here for a moment because Peter's involved here. And it's not the same Peter. One of the most notable, noticeable things about this sermon in Acts chapter 2 is how different this is from Peter a few chapters back in the Gospels. That Peter was scared. This Peter is bold. That Peter denied Jesus. This Peter is preaching Jesus. What happened to Peter? You know, you know somebody, you know, what happened? What, what happened to Peter? What made the difference for Peter to go from that to that, two things made the difference in Peter's life. First of all, a new presence. Secondly, a new power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the presence of Jesus Christ, his master, who had risen from the dead. He saw him, the one who is now alive. He spent time with him before he ascended into heaven. So it's a whole new resurrected presence of his Lord. And so this is what Jesus predicted was going to happen. This was the new power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same guy, Peter, Jesus, but it's a new presence, a new power, a, a, a dunamis power of the Holy Spirit living in him, but also preaching through him. And so, um, followed by how uh, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon his followers and how they preach in and around Jerusalem, and because because of that they're faithful to preach the message, it gets them, gets them into a little bit of trouble. In fact, uh, persecution starts hitting the church in Acts chapter 8 from memory. Acts chapter 8. Just when it was starting to get a little bit fun around here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, remember? But enter Saul. That's where we cue the Darth Vader music. You know it well. And so, um, what happens in Acts chapter 8? The church, because of persecution, and Saul allows this to happen, the church becomes scattered, not just in Jerusalem, and this is a pivotal moment, they now go from Jerusalem to where? Judea and Samaria. This is the outline for which Luke and Jesus speaks into is what's about to unfold. Jesus promised this in chapter 1, verse 8, and the disciples are going, yay, but how's this going to happen from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria? How's it going to happen? Oh, um, hmm. through persecution. That's how 
It's got, so they go from yay to being scattered, except for the apostles, you'll notice in Acts chapter 8, except for the apostles. Persecution. Let's talk about persecution just for a moment, if we can. Uh, I came across this little formula in my studies and readings this week in preparation for this message, that if you practice Acts 1.8, you'll experience Acts 8.1. Feel free to read that a bit later on, but it's all about persecution. So, if you are faithful to the gospel message, um, Luke would teach you, teach us to expect persecution. Now, persecution to the believer is like wind in their sails. See, in the Western world, we struggle with that. We absolutely struggle with that. I'll get to our comfort in the Western world in just a moment. But persecution, is persecution all bad? I'll say this. God uses persecution. What I mean by that, I mean, of course, we go so much into this. Um, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in a Roman prison cell. Uh, Not all, not all. Uh, He would, in fact, write the book of Philippians under persecution. In fact, that's not all. He would also write the book of Colossians uh, whilst in jail and also the book of Philemon. And so is persecution all bad? I think it's a good lunchtime kind of story to talk about. Uh, But according to Paul, the gospel is being furthered because of my imprisonment. Now, that's Acts chapter 8. Let's go to Acts chapter 9 because it's Saul's conversion. Wow. Um, Why do you persecute me? So this is Jesus. Jesus turning up out of nowhere. They can't see him. They are left speechless in Acts chapter 9. This is a clear message when Jesus turns up and he says, why do you persecute me? As if if Saul's saying, I don't persecute you, I'm persecuting everyone else. Hmm. This is a clear message that you mess with God's people. You mess with God. You touch Christians, you touch Christ. The body of Christ is connected to the head. He takes it personally. In this story, Acts chapter 9, when his people are persecuted, is it costly? Absolutely. Is it urgent? Absolutely. Is it worth it? No regrets. Let me talk about the book of Philippians just for a moment if I could. It's one of my favorite books. The book of Philippians who Paul wrote, as I mentioned before, while I was in the persecution. It's an incredible book and the theme of joy, I think 16 times. The, book of, uh, sorry, the word joy it's, uh, is mentioned in this book of Philippians. Only four chapters. It's a thank you letter. It's a thank you for supporting me. It's a wonderful letter, this book. Here's why I love this letter. First of all, it's not a corrective book, um, like the book of Galatians, um, uh, when he talks about false doctrine and uh, false teachers and things like that. It's purely a book where Paul says, and of course I know there's more to it than that, but he says that I I love you. I love you. I would say, I would say this, that this book, out of all the churches that Paul started, this church, the church in Philippi, is is Paul's, he has the deepest bond 
with this church probably, probably than any of the other churches. And so it's, I guess in summary, it's the wonder of the Christian life, this book, this book of Philippians. So once again, it's written by a prisoner. Um, he's falsely accused. He's incarcerated by the Roman government for no good reason. He's not bitter. He's not, um, he's not uh, protesting. Uh, he's not angry. He's not um, about getting revenge. It's a book of joy. Let's talk about that just quickly. Happiness is temporary air. Joy is permanent. Happiness depends on what is happening. If things are going your way, you are happy. But joy is much, much deeper. Practically speaking, let's bring this into landing if I could this morning. Practically speaking, Launceston is what? Launceston is our Jerusalem. Very good, you got it. Tasmania is our Judea. Australia is our Samaria. And yes, there's still the ends of the earth. But it sounds like to me when Luke focuses on this sequel of those areas, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and they will do anything to get there. Listen, church, listen to me. God wants his people on the move because he doesn't want the gospel to stay in Jerusalem because he loves the people of Samaria. He loves the people of Judea. And he loves the people of the earth. And he also knows that we get a little comfortable Door of Hope Christian Church and whoever chooses to listen to me at the moment, listen to this. I've said this a few times over many years. Listen. Comfort is not our friend. In the Western church, comfort is not our friends. Who wants to leave Jerusalem with revival breaking out? It's starting to get exciting here. Door of hope, we're doing this, 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 and this. We've just opened this and this. Who wants to leave that? It's exciting. Jerusalem's exciting. Hundreds of people, thousands of people. The streets are alive. And that's why I believe that the gospel record is incomplete. That the mission is unfinished. By the way, the book of Acts also is an incomplete book. But that's where you and I come in. Let's finish on the end of the sequel. I'm going to give the I'm going to give the movie away, I'm sorry. The end of the sequel finishes like this. First of all, we have Paul arrested in Jerusalem, taken then to Caesarea. He goes through three trials over a two-year period. This is a long story cut short. They take him then on a voyage <laughs> in chapters 27. And then finally, finally in chapters 28, the last book of the book, sorry, the last chapter of the book of Acts, he arrives in Rome. He finally gets what he's always wanted, sort of. He finally gets where he's always wanted to be, sort of. 
In Rome, yes, but always wanting to go there, maybe not as a prisoner. And this is where he writes those letters, by the way. So he finds himself under house arrest, under guard. Verse 30, this is the last verse of the sequel. I'm going to give it away. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The book ends there. (laughs) I don't know about you, I'm disappointed. (laughs) I'm disappointed by the sequel. Come on, help me out. It finishes abruptly. It finishes disappointingly. In fact, I'm going to say this, it's a weird ending. Yes, it ends with the main character, but listen to this, listen to this. You need to know Paul is not the main character. The reason it seems so odd and so disappointing is because the main character is the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the book is incomplete. But the story is not. As I close, I have a question to ask us each. What chapter are you writing? What is the Holy Spirit doing through your life as the book of Acts continues to be written through you? Guess what? The ongoing sequel. Church, this series is built on the values that Jesus taught. And we here at Door of Hope want to take this message of Jesus so, so seriously as possibly as we can to make Jesus' last words our priority. Where from? Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Launceston, Tasmania, Australia, and to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name.